Hey y'all, Brett Maddox here. In just a moment, we will be starting our 10th episode of the Podakesis podcast, and that's pretty unbelievable that we've made it this far, and this has been such a fun, fun ride that we've had so far. It's been awesome knowing about your support and knowing you're out there passing us along to your friends and your family. So I'm just making this appeal that you would continue to do that. As always, you can listen to us anywhere, and you can tell your friends and family that they can listen to us anywhere they listen to their favorite podcast, on Apple, on Stitcher, on Google Play, on Spotify. You can even find us on Amazon Music now, and if you've got one of those Alexa devices, you can find us through that. We're also on YouTube, and you can also find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram with the handle at Podakesis. And there you can communicate with us, uh, leave comments, let us know uh, what you're thinking about each, uh, each episode. Uh, I would ask that on Apple, on iTunes, you would leave a five-star review. That just helps us in the Apple world. And uh, go to our website, podakesis.com, where you'll see expanded show notes. And the apps that you listen to the podcast, You'll see a shorter version of the show notes, but with links for resources and videos and other stuff that we use in preparation uh, for each episode and things that we mention in each episode, you can find that on the website, podakesis.com. Well, I know you're ready for episode 10. I'm ready to share it with you. It's going to be a good one as we talk about uh, the creation of humanity itself. And I uh, hope that you really enjoy this. We're going to cue the music right now and uh, prepare yourself for a wonderful episode. Thank you for being with us, Potted Humans. Y'all have a great day and enjoy this episode. Hello, Potacumans, and welcome to another episode of the Potacesis Podcast, a podcast about what Christians believe and why it matters. And once again, well, my name is Brett Maddox, of course, and once again, we're joined by two of your favorite members of the Baseball Hall of Fame. Uh, that would actually be RBI Baseball from the Nintendo Entertainment System from the 1980s. This Woot. would be Alan Kaysen and Jim Morrow. What's going on, guys? What's up? Hey, that was actually really good uh, crowd noise there for RBI Baseball. Nice, Jim. Very nice. Yeah, yeah. Eight bit and everything. Eight bit and everything. Yeah, That's bit. awesome. Are y'all now? Since I'm the old man of the podcast, do y'all remember RBI Baseball, or were y'all playing Super RBI Baseball? Do I it? remember RBI? Do baseball? I remember? <laughs> okay, just making sure that you no, know. No, I, I don't. No, I was asking you a question. <laughs> yeah, I, I was just repeating. Oh no, yeah. so you're probably Super Nintendo was your first uh, foray into this stuff. I don't know, but uh, yeah, yeah, RBI Baseball. So we, I mentioned that. And these Hall of Famers here, because today is uh, game one of the Atlanta Braves playing in the playoffs this year. And um, it, I just am, I'm, I'm super happy sports are back. I don't know. Um, Jim doesn't like sports, but Alan and I. <laughs> <laughs> he just called me out. <laughs> but Alan and I, we love our college football. We love baseball. We love it all. So uh, I'm, ex I'm excited about sports being back and having some playoff baseball happening right now. Yeah, it's nothing like a good start to a podcast to question Jim's manhood. <laughs> yeah, so as we talk about the creation today, we'll be able to talk about uh, roles such as are sports um, a masculine role or are they not? So if you, if you, let me just let me just uh, share with all our pot of humans uh, and the two of you. If you want to play, we'll play. Oh <laughs> wow. <laughs> All right, so I guess I don't, I don't, what I really don't want to happen is Jim to throw the gauntlet down because well, I, what we're know. really doing is just demonstrating the fall of humanity right here. So <laughs> well, it is, uh, it's a good to be back with all you who are listening and to be back with you, Jim and Alan. So, uh, any loose ends from the last episode? Any, have y'all heard anything uh, from that last episode? I thought we got pretty good response. Uh, just kind of look at listening around and uh, what about creation itself and how we uh, how we handled it. Yeah, I was really wondering if uh, if there was going to be some thoughts because it's in my mind this has always been one of those issues that people have uh, or one of these theological matters that people have opinions on. Um, so either either uh, people found uh, a good home in that episode of our podcast 
or they're so angry they're still gathering their pitchforks. That's right. And if you are, you can uh, you can find us at another podcast website. So go to the, <laughs> any, any other at, podcast website. AlanCason.com. AlanCason.com. Alan sure, Kaysen. you can go there. <laughs> yeah, I'll t- I'll tell you I'll tell you though. Uh, we uh, just a, a great new super fan, my very own mother-in-law, Miss Elise. Uh, right there, giving us some shout out. So all y'all out there, uh, if you see her around, uh, she is a fan by choice. Yes. Uh, and so praise the Lord. And super fan she is. So that's fantastic. So, um, oh, and she loves to comment on YouTube and we are thankful for that. So for the rest of you, go to our YouTube channel. That's right. And you can find it on our website. Go to the YouTube channel, subscribe to it. And that actually, if you subscribe to the YouTube channel after, what, like 100 subscriptions or something like that, we're able to have like uh, a personalized um, URL, yeah, URL. URL and all that, which is helpful to us. So go and subscribe to it. Leave a comment and um, let us know that uh, you're, you're listening. And if you have questions or you want to know more about what we're sharing or maybe even what are the resources and that kind of thing, uh, you can go to our Facebook at Pat Potikesis, um, uh, Twitter, I think even Instagram and stuff. You can leave information or questions for us and we'll, we'll, we'll connect with you. So here we are. This is our 10th episode. What? This is our 10th episode. Can you believe it, guys? 10 episodes into this thing, and they said it couldn't happen. Everybody was... Who said? Um, <laughs> Give me their names. Uh, yeah, you need to know Give names? Their, okay. Their name. All right. Listen, we're not going to throw mud at people. What we'll do is afterward... Oh, we're not? Wait, no. we're not? We're not going to throw unless your name is Jim. We'll we'll throw okay. mud at Jim. But uh, for the re- for everybody else who were our detractors, the ones who said we couldn't make it, uh, we'll we'll just say we'll handle that when the show is over. So yeah, mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> so, so this is our tenth episode. Isn't it traditional on the tenth anniversary of something to give people a gift of tin? A gift of tin. That's what it says on the traditional ten year uh, marker website. So, so I'm we'll, expecting I'm expecting our tenth episode gift to, my tep, tenth episode gift to come from y'all soon. So I've already sent yours out. So um, you just uh, give me a tracking number and we'll be on the lookout. Thanks, guys. Okay, yeah, it's uh, we'll let you know. I'll, I'll give you that information when we're done yeah. as well. Uh, so here we are, episode ten. We're actually looking at question number ten and John Wesley's revision of the of the. I almost said his revision of the Potakesis podcast. <laughs> Let's re- <laughs> we might need one of those. We might need a revision. Let's try that again. In John Wesley's revision of the Shorter Catechism, uh, question number t- 10 is, how did God create man? How did God create man or humanity to be gender inclusive? So how did God create humanity? Now, last time we got together, we talked about creation in general. Today, we're talking about a specific piece of this. How did God create us? And uh one of you, Jim or Alan, I know in front of you, you have the answer, and I'm thinking that it's Alan Kaysen. Ladies and gentlemen, give the it up of the operation for Alan Kaysen. Because I always have the answer. Um, God created man, male and female, after his own image, in knowledge, righteousness, and holiness, with dominion over the creatures. All right, so we're going we're gonna to look at this. Let's start with the Scripture proofs on this, and we've got three for this time. And the first one is out of Genesis chapter 1, and it's verses 26 through 28. Then God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over the livestock, and over the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And this is an interesting passage here. It brings up a lot of imagery of God creating, of molding, but there are some specifics in here that's interesting if you kind of don't know the background behind it, like this idea, and God, singular, said, let us, plural, make man in our, plural, image. So uh, we, you know, what does that mean? How do, what's going on there? And uh, we'll probably talk about that more here in just a moment. But let's move on to Colossians chapter 3, 
Um, and uh, I think that Jim or no, Alan, Alan, Alan again, Alan. As as I as I point my finger to myself. So well, you were pointing um, up at Jim's. Um, <laughs> well, right, anyway, go ahead. We're on fire. Colossians uh, chapter three, verses five through ten. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. So uh, the idea is we're putting off the old self and putting on the new self. That, and with that comes along the knowledge um, that is part of the image of God. So I love it's part I love, of our answer. I love the imagery there of taking off the old self, which is the sinful self, putting on the new self, which is based upon an original self that came before the sinful, like it, that's kind of yeah. a, yeah. So anyway, yeah, absolutely. It's kind of like a renewal, a revival, a, uh, yeah, that's awesome stuff. Right well, there. and really we've gone over, we've, we've sort of, um, I guess the catechism, we'll get to this later, but, um, we've gone, we've had creation, but what, then we've had the fall of creation, the fall of humanity. And here in Colossians is a, obviously assuming Christ and, and it's talking about Christ and, um, uh, putting on the new self, new uh, w- which is Christ, restoring the image that God created in us that was broken because of the fall. So, um, and it's but it's here where we get this idea that, that part of the image of God is knowledge. Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And uh, uh, Alan, you're correct. Uh, we're going to be dealing with sin proper pretty soon. Um, yes. but, uh, it, so part of the answer here, or this scripture is skipping over a piece. How did we get to that, the malice, and how did we get to the, the slander and the bad stuff that we have to take off? Well, that gets answered in later episodes, so you got to stay tuned to figure that out. All right, uh, Jim, you've got Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to particularly look at verse 24, but you're going to start at verse 17. Yeah, I sure am. Uh, so here we go. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. That, however, is not the life you learned. When you heard about Christ and you were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. And so here it's that same image um, that Paul brings in Colossians, you'll notice that Colossians and Ephesians have a lot in common if you were to put them right side by side. Um, but adding to that is this idea that, so in Colossians, Alan read that um, we were created in knowledge and with knowledge. And here it is also created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Mm. And that that's going to be coming up here in just a second into discussion. What does being created in knowledge, what does being created in righteousness and holiness, um, how, how does this work out? What does it look like uh, for us? So uh, let's go ahead and, and break apart this question a little bit, and let's start first and foremost with the whole, uh, what does it mean that God created both male and female? And Jim shared something with us before we went, um, went live here just a moment, kind of a, a way of talking about creation of humanity uh, that I thought was pretty a pretty cool play on uh, twi- of, of, of word words. And so, Jim, uh, do you, <laughs> I don't know do if you... I can capture that again. But in, in the spirit of taking apart a the question to further understand it, so um, last time we shared an episode, we were talking about all of creation, and, and I've always just really 
found it beautiful how humanity was created. Uh, and Alan had said when he reads this, it just he it screams about God. Right. And so this question starts with God created. Um, and so to take that into consideration, I want to uh, give you an analogy. So first, let me give you real quick. What did God create the world out of? Nothing. 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 All of it came into being. Um, and one of the ways that I've recently uh, read about this is that um, God created the world and humanity as a manifestation of his glory. Well, that alone is a beautiful thought. Not that God needs people right. or that God like God requires us for his own existence, but that we are uh, a part of the manifestation of God's glory. So put that all together. So let me, let's say you're, uh, there's a carpenter, okay? And a carpenter, let's say he has some wood and some nails and he makes a chair out of the wood and the nails. So when the carpenter sells that chair and it's no longer in his hands, it's still going to be a chair because of the things that it's made of, right? It's made out of wood and the wood has properties like it's rigid and hard and can hold uh, my weight and things like that. Uh, and the nails hold it together and whatnot. Um, so when the carpenter leaves the chair, it's still a chair by virtue of what it is made of. So, however, if humanity is, if the world is created out of nothing and humanity is created out of the thing that God created out of nothing, mm. what if the creator were to remove his hand from the creation, what would be left? Not wood, not nails, but what? Nothing. So when we uh, say that in him we live and move and have our being one of the things to, that strikes me that i just wanted to share it because it was an analogy that struck me as beautiful is that we have the subsistence of our being through god's continual hand in our lives like literally without god even lost with our old self uh there's the the prevenience of god the mercy of god that still gives us our being. Not only did he form us, you remember in the Genesis 2 story where God breathed life into humanity. So it's not just that we were formed out of dust and life was breathed into us as we continue to have our being. So I thought I'd throw a little bit of philosophical theology out y'all's way today as we talked about, when we talk about humanity, and when I remembered um, Alan's statement and this is one of the things I want everybody to remember. Sometimes the simplest testimonies about God, it was just a couple of words, can lodge in somebody's soul. So never be afraid uh, to share even what you think is the simplest word because it just will stick in somebody's soul. It's beautiful to then, when we talk about creation of humanity, to remember that we're giving testimony to the manifest glory of God that is held together by God's own hand. And I think that's probably all I got this week. I'll see y'all later. I'm going to go watch the Braves. Right, see You're you, Jim. so good with words, Jim. <laughs> He's our you wordsmith. Know, you and those words. But but what we uh, what we realized. I wrote it down. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> You're still good with words. It's true. Uh, I'll take it. I'll take it. Much like uh, uh, Bill Murray's character in Ghostbusters said of um, said of uh, Ray uh, the <laughs> Dan Aykroyd. Ghostbusters were created male and female by the time the sequel came about. Uh, by the time yeah, of 20, right. 2018, 2019, I think that's right, yeah. So, um, uh, but like, uh, like uh, Bill Murray's character said about uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd's character, it's called him the soul of the Ghostbusters. Alan is the soul of the Podakesis podcast. What? He, he is. He's he the does. one that he keeps us, he keeps us grounded. And uh, yeah, he's the one we talk about all the time. Like, do you remember what I Alan said? I asked Jim what I said. <laughs> But that's because that's because the testimony just rolls out of your spirit. It's true. Oh, it's true. Well, uh, what I love is that. Um, so it says God created um, man, male, and female. That's what the answer to our question says. Yeah. Um, and we get that in Genesis one, but we get a sort of a deeper understanding of that in Genesis two. God's, you know, created all these uh, these beings. He's created uh, creation, um, and he keep the, the goal is to find Adam a suitable helper and Adam goes throughout the garden and not, can't find anything. There's no suitable helper. And, and God, you know, puts Adam to sleep and creates Eve from Adam. Um, and so 
they are to be one. And, you know, going back to the question, the, the, the point you brought out with the wording of Genesis one of God singular saying, make God make, let's make us make God make a man out of our image. Right. Let us make mankind out of our image. Right. I guess, I guess what I, what, what strikes me is that we're, we are not, we are not created as singular beings. We are created for community. Uh, we're created to be together. Um, and which is, which I would say is part of the image of God that God, because the way us Christians view that Genesis one is um, the us and the hour is the Trinity. When we've already talked about a little right. bit in the catechism is God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy spirit. And so, and so just as they are one, Adam and Eve are called to unite and be one. And so, and so we get into the whole theology of marriage and, and what that means and, and how we're to, 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 to husbands and wives are to demonstrate the oneness that is in uh, Christ and God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Um, so I, I just, I, I see the creation story, especially of Adam and Eve as this whole idea that we are made for community. We're made for community. So, man, that is so good. And that's and, a, go and ahead. Are we Jim. feeling that in the the just our society so much right now? We're, I mean, we're dealing still with uh, people in isolation and having to, you know, almost feel like we're a threat to other people if we get too close. And so that that's really a strong word for right now is to remember that um, in this time we we're not we weren't created to be alone. No. We had a, um, a, a seventh grader here at St. Luke who um, said that for Halloween, she was going to go around as a hug because it's the scariest thing these days. Oh, and, my goodness. <laughs> and, and as funny as that is, it's, it's also extremely sad. I mean, it's, I mean, it's yeah, heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, yeah. But uh, it's, you know, what a word. But, yeah, that that's absolutely true, this community thing. And I you know, even the marriage piece there that you brought up, Alan, is so important because marriage is more than just a social contract from a from a theological point of view. Mm-hmm. It, it's a reflection of the character of God, right? Um, and that is this whole point in Genesis two where it talks about uh, Adam and Eve becoming one flesh. Uh, this is a, a this community, this communion that takes place on Earth becomes a reflection of these cosmic realities of, of who we are and what we're supposed to be um, in, in as created beings um, of the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and man. Jesus will hearken back to this too. Um, these two pieces of the, the creation story that we just talked about later on. Right. Um, so it becomes even foundational through the new Testament too. So these, these creation, this creation story, um, I mean, it's sets the prelude for everything. Right. Absolutely. Now, um, interestingly enough, if you go to the Genesis 2 account, now we didn't read it, but I I, I do want to read a part of this. The Genesis 2 account of um, Adam and Eve, um, the idea, I'll just read it here. The Lord said, this is verse 18 in chapter 2. Then the Lord said, it is not good that man should be alone, which is true. Um, I will make him a helper fit for him. Now, out of the ground, the Lord God had formed every beast of the field and every bird of the heavens and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called every living creature, that's what, that was its name. And the man gave the names to all the livestock and birds and the heavens and every beast of the field. But for Adam, there was not, a, not found a helper fit for him. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon the man. And while he slept, he took one of his ribs and closed it up. Uh, it closed up its place with flesh, and the rib uh, that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made into a woman and brought her to the man. And the man said, "This is the last of my. Uh, this at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of man." Therefore, now this is the big piece here. Now you know I've heard uh, people or preachers and theologians talk about kind of the significance of the rib. You know, Jesus, I mean, Jesus, well, I guess Jesus creator, but anyway, let's just, God didn't make Eve out of a foot as a symbol of subjugation um, and didn't make Eve out of, you know, Adam's head as a symbol of lording over Adam, but took 
her from made her out of the rib, kind of this kind of equality, equal thing. I've heard theologians talk about this, and I do think there's probably something uh, we can speak to about that. But what I want to talk about that is that, that always has struck me um, ever since, especially my seminary days, was verse 24, where it says, Therefore, a man shall leave his, father, uh, leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh, and the man and his wife uh, were both naked and were not ashamed. Now, this issue uh, where it says, A man shall leave his mother and father and cleave to his wife didn't happen in the ancient Near East. It didn't happen. What happened is, it's a patriarchal society. Uh, what would happen is you would have a, 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 a man who would be over his family. It would be kind of a compound thing with his sons and their wives and kids. And it would just be this. And uh, politics and law and commerce and all, it, it worked from that what that was called the Beit Ab or the father's house. And you would just have these all over, um, all over Israel and all over the ancient Near East. And what would happen is, is when someone got married, the, a, a woman would leave their father's house and go to their husband's compound or, or house or bait ob or whatever, however it was set up for them. And that's what would happen. The woman would leave and go to her husband. And yet here in Genesis 2, we get this, therefore a man shall leave his, father's, his father and his mother to go to his wife. And I don't know really what to make uh, the uh, my Old Testament professor said this is probably some sort of countercultural comment um, about the systems back then although I don't you know we, uh, I, I I need to do a lot more further study but it's just different it's mm. different it's it, 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 it's a stark difference than the way that the society itself was set up and I've always found that fascinating well, and you're going to see if, if you were going to do some uh, study of other ancient Near Eastern creation stories um, from their own you know, religions and cultures, you'll find that the biblical account is countercultural in many ways. And oh, many ways. Talk about some right. of that mm-hmm. last episode. Right. So, I mean, that, that logically would fit. Uh, there's kind of like a, a little bit of life lesson here, too, don't y'all think? I, I, absolutely. If you're talking about boundaries. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, absolutely. Um, I know as a pastor, when I'm doing premarital counseling, one of the things that I bring up in that premarital counseling is the importance of healthy boundaries when starting a new family unit. You you all have your 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 family, your identity from that family. That those are important pieces, but you are also starting something new, and it's important to establish healthy boundaries where the the extended family is not necessarily dictating everything that's going on in your new unit that you're building. Right. Or that your heart is more in your uh, family of origin than it is in your yeah. uh, newly found marriage. Yeah, that can cause such heartache when mm-hmm. there is no, yet when a, a, a husband is more in line with uh, the things that his mom or dad are saying over his wife mm. or vice versa. The wife is more in tune with what her um, mom and dad are saying to her about her husband. And, the, you know, there needs to be a healthy separation, a healthy boundary there. Um, I've seen just so much heartache come out of this. Well, and I think this is good. This is a good reminder for in-laws, too. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, for to be reminded of this is what the scripture says, um, yeah. that your child um and your your new son-in-law or daughter-in-law, they are trying to form a new family, mm-hmm. and so you do need to step back a little bit. Yeah. So, y'all, it's just big talk until you start planning Thanksgiving dinner. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. Well, yeah. Well, well COVID. But I was. Gonna say. <laughs> You're not wrong. I don't know. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um. So then we get to this after his uh, God creating after his own image, God creating in his own image. And um, we see in the catechism, it says that uh, humanity is created in God's image in knowledge and righteousness and and holiness, and then they are given dominion. And even the dominion part seems to flow out of this um, idea of being uh, created in the image of God. Here, I want to... I'm going to throw an idea out at you guys. 
I want you to tell me what you think about this idea. Um, so in Genesis 1, where we get this idea of being created in the image of God, that word image in Hebrew means uh, to be stamped. It literally means to have a, a stamp. Um, like a, think of um, a, a wax seal, uh, and you've got the stamp of the coat of arms or whatever that represents the family or represents a person or a business or whatever. That's literally what's happening. Or, or a stamp on a coin where you've got this mm-hmm. image on there. That's what that Hebrew word there means. Um, there's another Hebrew word that also means basically the same thing. It's a different Hebrew word, but it basically means the same thing. And that Hebrew word shows up in Exodus chapter 20. And in Exodus chapter 20, um, it, it, we, it says um, in one of the Ten Commandments that you are to have no uh, graven images. Mm-hmm. That, right. word, that word image, uh, that word image, it's a different Hebrew word, but it means the same thing. It's basically the same thing as the word image in Genesis chapter 1. So here's my thought on this. Uh, what's the problem with idolatry? Why is it that God is so against us worshiping these um, images of him? Even having an image of Yahweh is dangerous because we don't know what Yahweh looks like. The Jews didn't know what Yahweh looks like. They could try to figure it out and put it on a coin or on a wax seal or whatever, but it was going to be wrong so what's the deal here? What's the deal with idolatry? Why is that such a big deal? And I think, in my mind, in thinking through this, is this. When we worship idols, when we worship other images, what we're doing is not only are we uh, damaging the relationship that we have with our Creator, but we're also throwing out or covering up or doing damage to the image of God that is stamped within us. Uh, what, and what I mean by that is that we are the created idols of God. We, humans, are the idols of God. He put his image in us. And this gets carried out throughout the New Testament. Put on Christ. Mm-hmm. This idea of putting on Christ, of the whole, being the temples of the Holy Spirit. We become the ones who are to represent and to reflect God in the world. So we're the idols, of, when, and when we worship other th- idols, we're, we're not living into our true identity as identities as idols of Yahweh. That's right. Is and that then, crazy? No, listen, uh, I'm no, going to back you up logically in a different angle too. So of course, uh, in the catechism earlier says God is spirit. So when you make an image of God, you, you naturally reduce God. Mm. But so right, if right. you... If we are made in the image of God and we create another image, we reduce humanity. Right, absolutely. Because if we've reduced God to this image, we've reduced us to an even smaller image, and that does not honor the one in whom we move and live and have our being. That's right. Absolutely. Amen. Amen. Um, yeah, that's good stuff there. So, well, I think um, um, I think we you know I think we get um, sort of stuck on the on the the whole idea of image. Um, because Jim just said, and I was going to mention it um, later, is that God is spirit. Yeah. So, and you, you said it. We don't know what God looks like. Right. Um, and so what does it mean that we're made in God's image? Um, I, it's less about what we look like right. and more right. about our character. Ooh. And, um, and you know, the ideas of holiness and righteousness and knowledge. Mm. Um, and so... I think in our human feeble, you know, lowly minds, we get stuck on this idea of image um, and we want to bring God down to us um, so that God looks like us um, when we don't know God looks like spirit, you know, um, but it's more about it's more about our character and what is inside of us. That's so good. And that leads me right into that after his own image. Uh, these, it, it's almost like these are, I, I don't know if the word is qualifiers or um, I can't even think of the word I'm trying to look for here, but in knowledge, in righteousness, in holiness, um, that uh, the, the, out of God's image in these areas, in these areas, um, righteousness being um, about uh, being in um, right relation and right 
uh, being with God, in holiness, being separate, being separate from the way the world is, being separate from the way culture is, being uh, separate from the, our sinful natures, um, in knowledge, having the right knowledge, having the right uh, way of thinking about these things. Uh, it's, it's the catechism drawing from Scripture itself is telling us, okay, have the image of God, or, or um, you're created after the image of God in these areas. This, this is a character thing. I think that's the right way of putting it. Right. And here in this particular catechism, of course, it's, uh, it's choosing these particular ways of expressing the image. Uh, there are naturally more ways to do that, and Wesley himself would do that in other, other ways. Um, so it's almost like if you were to map out the sentence, these would be phrases in which the catechism describes what it means to be made in the image. And I would, I would say uh, at this point in the scripture, at the creation of humanity, um, we need to think more like the only, I, I would push back Brett a little bit on holiness being separateness at this point um, because there's it's union at this point. There's nothing uh, to be a separate good point. from. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you have, if all of these things are after God's image, and another way of thinking of image that I think is absolutely scripturally appropriate is almost almost like reflection, almost. Yes. So that these things reflect back in God. So in pure, you could almost think in holiness is pure purity mm. of being, mm -hmm. righteousness as in pure goodness, that we have an image of that stamped on us, um, in pure knowledge um, that... God knows deeply in us, um, and I wonder. I wonder what it means for us to be created in knowledge. I imagine that is in the knowledge of God, or that it, uh, that seems to be what the Scripture seems to say. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so that, that at this point, these terms need to be defined theologically a little bit differently, um, because there's nothing to be separate from. But Alan, do you remember uh, you came back from the seedbed conference one time? Um, yes. And who was it that was talking? Oh, golly. Can, can, uh, it was Miriam, about bleach. Uh, do you have, do you mind? I think I can remember it. Can, Miriam, uh, Brett, can we take a little uh, holiness uh, addendum here for a moment? Yeah, let's go. Um, uh, yes. Yeah, so I think it's Miriam Swanson. She's, she's married now. Uh, she lives in Florida. Um, shout out to her. Um, anyways. Tag but, her um, in the show notes. Yeah, right. Yes. Um, show she notes. did this great Bingo. talk on holiness. And I think a lot of times we talk, we think about holiness as um, um, we, we, we think about set apart, right? We think about, right, you apart, know, yeah. I need to stay, I need to stay away. We sort of think about keeping our clothes um, clean. Like you're wearing um, the white jeans. Yeah, like wearing white jeans, um, bleached white jeans. Except what we probably need to think about it is holiness is the bleach, and the, we we're, we're sort of called to be bleach. We're trying to get our hands dirty, um, and and sort of um, I don't know, rub ourselves up against um, the, the I don't know unholy. I don't know if that's the way. I, uh, like we become in God's holiness the cleansing agent, not the not that we need to be afraid of getting dirty. Right. Because we're the bleach. Alan, I don't know if you've seen this. She actually did a short seedbed seven-minute seminary video on that. She after did. Seedbed. Show no, notes. Show notes. Okay. Show notes. Good deal. Show notes. Absolutely. Bingo, so, cards, are, bingo cards are making <laughs> let's well go. today. So I love that. So let no, let, um, let no one say that Brett can't be taught because it is true that holiness and being holy means to be set apart. That, that is what it means there. And probably for the for uh, you know a good Israelite reading the um, uh, reading the creation stories out of Genesis one and Genesis two, it just goes to it goes to further prove that God Yahweh is separate from the other gods that are supposedly out there. Okay, so there there is that piece. But you're right in the story itself, there's really nothing yet to be separate from for humanity. So um, I do I do think it's 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 uh, it's about um, be well. Let me put it this way: um, Phil Talon. We're just going to go ahead and plug him here. Phil Talon in his book, The Absolute Basics of the Christian Faith, he says that um, being uh, made in God's image first means that we resemble God, and then that we represent God. Mm. And I do think that is. You know, you take the knowledge, the holiness, the righteousness, it can be summed up in those two R's, to resemble God 
mm-hmm. and to uh, and to represent God out in the world. And um, that that's an important piece to this. Hey, I want to take that that image you were talking about a little bit about um, the the bleach and being the bleach and 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 give it a a little bit more of a spin that Doctor Joseph Donjel gave to us out of the Gospel of Mark. So <clears throat> Jesus. It. Jesus goes in the Galilee at the beginning of his ministry, and he calls, uh, uh, he calls Simon, he calls Andrew, and he calls the son of Zebedee, those first four disciples that he calls. And he calls them from the Sea of Galilee. Mm. These are fishermen. This is their business. This is their livelihood to be out there on this giant lake and the northern part of Israel. Now, in Is- Israelite kind of lore and thinking, large bodies of water represent chaos. They represent death. They represent danger. It's scary. And you can see these in the stories of the Gospels uh, where Jesus is calming the waves, where Jesus is walking on the waves, having mastery over the chaos itself. You see these, the way that Jesus works with water, having control over it, is a direct reflection over him being um, the Lord of the chaos, like Lord over the chaos, like he's bringing order to the chaos. Now, Dr. Donjel, he made this point, and I, I, I love this idea. Used to, what I would think was that when Jesus calls them to be, calls them to be fishers of men, I'm going to make you into fishers of men, he was just using their job as it is, hey, this is what you're going to do, but it's going to be on a cosmic level, or it's going to be on a salvation, you know, worldwide missionary level. And to one extent, that is true. But what if, what if, Jesus was doing more than that. He's calling these four to be ones who would go and bring order to the chaos. Boom. That I'm going to make you into people who bring order to the chaos. Where I, what I do, you will do also. And I think that perfectly aligns with this whole bleach thing that I want to go and watch now. I'm excited about that. Yeah, it'll be in the is, show notes. Is that we, we're, not, we're not called to separate ourselves from the dirt of the world. We're called to get into the dirt and with the power of Jesus in us, bring it to cleanse. Boom. Boom. Isn't it, see, I don't know if, uh, how this occurs to y'all. I know we all have very unique personalities. I know we have at least four listeners who enjoy this. <laughs> That's true. Um, <laughs> but putting words together and having this kind of Christian conversation, it rings in my spirit um, because it, it, the Lord said, the Bible says to love the Lord with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And it all connects. So just talking these things out and putting logic to them and exploring them. Um, I hope everybody's having as kind of a worshipful time as I do every Amen. time we have these conversations. Amen. Uh, I, all I you know, listeners out there. I know for it's me. It's just Jim. It's just Jim. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't have energy. All the energy I would put into sports, I just put into worshiping God. So. Oh. <laughs> see, see. And we, I just lost all my <laughs> sanctification. We just... Uh, it's our fault, Alan. Actually, it's my fault. I'm the one who opened the gate. I'm sorry about that. Um, anyway. No, no, it's all right. You reap what you sow. The Bible says he, that, he too. He's been holding that in his back pocket ever since you said it. No, I know. He, yeah, absolutely. All right, so let's move quickly uh, um, to um, this idea of why does all this matter. Um, and yeah. if, if you remember, uh, the, from the very get-go of the podcast, that first question, what's the purpose of humanity? What's the chief end of man, the catechism would say, is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. But there's been another piece to this question that, um, or another piece that I've been wanting to ask kind of a, as an addendum, and that is, and what else? Mm. And what else? Now, on one hand, that as the chief end of humanity to glorify God and enjoy him forever, that should encompass everything we do. And I do agree with that. I think that's true. So not, not taken away from that, but let's kind of, on a finer point, what, how do we go about doing that? And I think one of the ways we look at that is looking at the sacred worth of all people that were all created to carry out this purpose. Mm-hmm. It's not just one group of people, one race of people, 
one gender of people. It, we're all created by God, stamped with that image, to carry out this purpose of glorifying God and enjoying Him forever. So the question I have in our day and time is how does the creation story of humanity tell us how we should treat each other? Hmm. That's a powerful question. If you think about the tenor of our conversation, how even the creation speaks to the manifest glory of God. Mm -hmm. And when you take the way that Jesus says, whatever you have done unto the least of these, you have done unto me. Yeah, absolutely. Then there should be a sense where um, a sanctifying mind would glorify God by honoring any individual that's in front of them. Right. Or not in front of them per se. Um, now that's, that's a sin problem because I know that even I don't, you know, I don't do that half of the day. Um, but there's some, there's something about, uh, the way that we treat each other is in some respect proffered back up to God. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I, I think not just in, not just, uh, each other, but creation, um, you know, yeah. we talked about the, we were created with dominion over creation. Um, right. In other parts of scripture, it talks about stewards being a good, stu- we are God's, we are the managers of God's creation. And so one, one way to glorify God is to, to treat creation um, well, I guess. And I'm no. not like, I'm not, and I would not consider myself like a tree hugger or anything like that. I have um, seen you hug trees before. Yes. Um, <laughs> but they were comforting trees. Yeah, were, well, yes. they don't they don't have viruses, so um <laughs> so I could hug them. <laughs> wow. Makes me but, so uh, happy. <laughs> but uh I mean I think I think it it we should have a theology of creation. We should we have, should. have yeah. understanding that you know, and dominion doesn't mean, oh, we get to do whatever the heck we want with it. Right, it, right. It means that we should care for it and take right. take care of it. Um, right. And but but again, we live in a broken world. And so it, it that that often doesn't happen. But in order yeah. to get back and putting on our new self and getting back to the image of God that we were created in. Part of that is how we take of take care of creation. And, and I'm not going to go into what all that means um, that's for everybody to figure out and, 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 and so forth. But yeah. we have uh, an off field responsibility because if God gives us dominion or stewardship, then that means we're middle managers. Sure. And we mm-hmm. have Absolutely. Somebody to answer to for how we care for what God has made. Now mm-hmm. the uh, I I'd venture to guess that the professor that Brett was talking about earlier was uh, professor Sandra, Sandy Richter. Mm-hmm. Uh, she did Epic of Eden. She's got a new study coming out. Um, that deals with stewarding of creation. So if any of you have been interested in her her work or you like what you heard from uh, her uh, today, she's got a great uh, study coming out soon or it's out already about that. I'll, we'll put the title in the show notes. Yes, absolutely. Show notes. Show notes. So uh, that, 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 that's awesome. You know, that, and just to be honest, that's a, been a growing edge of mine um, is creation care and what we can do about that um, because Dominion doesn't mean destruction. Mm-hmm. Um, it means taking care of it. And one of the images that really comes into my mind about this is on the seventh day when God rested. You know, in the Hebrew, that that mean when He says He rested, it really the, it's an idiom for He took He He sat upon His throne. He 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 sat and and in in dominion over His creation. And so what He's doing with us is asking us to reflect him and to resemble him. And that is not just in our way we, we have relationships with each other, but it's also in how we have relationship with the created order around us as ones who mimic or who resemble or reflect God. Hmm. And, and the dominion is a piece of, of that, but it's not destruction. And that's been something that has been a growing edge for me, honestly. Um, I haven't done the best job at, at, at that. And of um, course, um, of course, you and I, humanity, we were part of that creation. So that's right. how we, how we treat each other is, is just as important. Right. Um, 
in how we glorify God. I like the way we've we've brought we've gone back to the first question and what is our purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's it's we we are all made in the image of God. Right um, now, of course, we hadn't gotten there yet, but we're, it, that that image has been broken right. um, through sin. And then Christ comes to to restore that image in us. Mm-hmm. So I think part of loving each other is is sharing the gospel, sharing the good news of Jesus. That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, it absolutely is. Absolutely. And I'm glad you. I'm glad, Alan, that you made sure to mention that because um, there is a there is a way in which we could think maybe less holistically about it and say, well, everybody's created in the image of God, which is absolutely true. Um, but then forget that a part of what God does for the creation that he loves is his son is made flesh, walks this earth, dies for the sins of the world, rises in victory. Mm. And so part, I'm glad you said that because we could actually diminish what it means to care for people as in just to be nice Mm. or just like, there's a lot of wonderful things we can do in our society to honor people and Mm. to protect people. And we should do those. Um, but we should also make sure to remember that the fullness of God's love is expressed in this, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Listen, when Paul in... Um, in uh, that's in, awesome. Alan, in, you, rock, you rock my brain, man. When, when, um, when Paul in Philippians chapter, uh, chapter 3 says, I want to know Christ, to know the power of his resurrection, and somehow participate in his sufferings, mm. in the sufferings yes. of his mm. death. Um, he's not saying that because he's a masochist. He's not. <laughs> right. <laughs> he's not. He's not going out with a cat of nine tails, and going, "Look how I'm suffering. Look how I'm suffering." No, he's not doing that. What he's doing is he's saying, um, "I want to know Christ and to do what He did." Mm. And if that means that I die, that others may know the power of His resurrection, then so be it. That, that, that laying down our lives. And by the way, you find that all throughout the letters of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Paul, Peter, Jude, that they're, James, they're all talking about suffering, not as a, whoa, look at me, you know, oh, look at me, I'm suffering, no, but as a, almost like a, I don't want to say merit badge, but as a means of reflecting the love of God in Christ Jesus. Because this is what Jesus did, then this is what I'm going to do. Um, for others, that people would know Christ. You know, this whole idea of creation of humanity, um, I'll just tell this quick story. I know we're getting long on time here, but this is more than just how we treat each other, how we treat creation around us. This this truly has a profound effect on and can actually change people. And I'll give a quick story here how the creation of humanity in the biblical text changed me and challenged me to change my views on an, and on a, a subject that's pretty can be pretty controversial, and that is uh, capital punishment. Mm. Um, I, I uh, have long been a proponent of ca- capital punishment. Um, have been, I mean, it just is what it, you know. I've I've always, even after I gave my life to the Lord, um, I, I was like, well, you know, if they're guilty and they are evil, and this is this is all part of God's judgment upon them, then so as long as it's fair, so so be it. But then I started reading these texts about, here, in the creation story, I started asking questions, kind of somewhat silly questions, I guess maybe silly questions, maybe not, of like, could I see Jesus pull into a switch? Mm. Those type of questions. And thinking about the way God looks at all people, from the Brett Maddoxes of this world to the Jeffrey Dahmers of this world, God's image, to, God's image is stamped was stamped on Osama bin Laden as much as it is on me. And the idea of capital punishment, I had to take a step back and say, I don't think that I could justify the state taking a life because, because, because they're... These, they're irrevocably evil, or they're, ir, uh, they're, they're unredeemable. Mm. And so I am, uh, I'm, you know, it's controversial. Not everybody agrees with me. A lot of people in my church don't agree with me. A lot of people I love don't agree with me on this. And that's okay. That is absolutely is. okay. 
But for Brett Maddox, looking at the creation story, looking at God being created in the image of God, it really made me have to rethink how I look at an issue such as capital punishment. But I think that's the thing. It's like this is not just it's not just a little story about God and how our how you know how it, how we were created. Um, mm. When you when we talk about it in this way, like Jim expressed earlier, yeah. um, it really be, you really begin to think about a lot of different things. Um, mm-hmm. How we treat creation, how we treat each other, um, what does it mean? Um, how can I reflect the image of God in my life? Um, and, you know, just like you've come to that conclusion, some others may come to a, a different conclusion. Right. Um, 100%. You know, and so it's not just, it's just not, it's not just a nice little poem at the beginning of scripture. That's right. It has huge <laughs> consequences. And, yeah. and so it also does this, like it's, it's very challenging because you mentioned some pretty haunting figures, um, yeah. in your testimony. And it also would challenge us to be, to say, am I able to look at everybody and at least somewhere in my mind have some sense of regard that God created this person? So in our Wesleyan tradition, while, while we would follow along with um, total depravity, what we would, what we would also follow along with is this John Wesley would say that the spirit of the image of God within us is marred. Yes. Or, uh, but not irrevocably, gone right and it's the spirit of god by god's grace we would call preveniently or before going before us that still tethers enough for us to have strength to respond to god and so even that grace that god would regard even uh people of the of the horrific acts that you have named osama bin laden jeffrey Dahmer, others that people could think of that god has at least enough mercy and regard not that anybody deserves grace but that God still holds their being and God still reaches out to them with at least the power of the spirit of God to respond back. Right. Whether 100%. they do or not, um, that's not that, you know, that's not that's for another side. Right. But putting those things together with God holding our being and the image of God, at least being held in prevenient grace. I think one of the challenges is to at, at minimum look at people we don't like and at least have regard for them in some right. way I, that that at is least ab- they're what we would say sacred worth if that is nothing absolutely. else that is absolutely that, true that's challenging for some of well some it, people that yeah i, I mean see, you know? i love the i love that whole image of god holding on our being um that yeah. that is good i mean like even in our sharpest disagreements about all kinds of issues we are all made in the image of god <laughs> god is holding yeah. all of our image all right. you know i just think that's Man, if we could just remember that when we're talking to one another and when we're, you right. know, well, like even at the most, of issues. the core level of who we are, that we have the most uh, valuable thing in common. And that's that God is our creator, but not just in the past. This is this is this is what I've described today. Um, and you could disagree theologically with that. Uh, but that God, we continue to hold our being in God. And, and that's where the phrase I live and move and have my being in God. Right. Um, so we at least have that if we have nothing else. Yeah. And that's something you can't, you can't like, if we say that's nothing. Yeah, it is. And so, but it's a hard something Mm -hmm. like, and I'm trying to concrete example there. there You can think of people in your life that um, maybe if you ran into them, you wish maybe you had taken a different turn on the street that day. (laughs) Um, I mean, we're all pastors here. That's absolutely true. But, You know, there are people who've hurt us or, man, that just make our blood boil or we just haven't learned and been mature enough to be able to get along with. And it's a hard thing to be able to say, at least if nothing else, I can honor God right? by at least attributing the sacred worth to this person. Does that mean that we have to like or everybody gets caught up in does that mean I have to approve? No, but at least it's an act of worship and honor right. to God. Right. And it has consequences, and it has consequences with issues of forgiveness and just so much stuff. But I think that first step uh, that you were saying there, Jim, that first step is very important. Like that, I mean, that's just the beginning piece of this. One thing that I would say to as a as a final capstone for my thoughts today, um, 
based on the way that I started my end of the conversation with God created, um, and if God created male and female after his own image, the lower view and less understanding we have of who God is, the lower view and lower understanding we have of who we are and who other people are. Man. But the more we study what God has revealed, the more we give our hearts wholly to God, and not that we grasp him better, but we know him in our soul better, the more we will know and understand ourselves, and the more we will know and understand other people. So mm. the study of God is worth it for everything. I mean, roll credits. <laughs> I mean, really? I mean, you're 100%. The reason why we do this for y- y'all out there, for, you know, whether you're um, a, a mother-in-law who's listening to us and... and, and Love and, you. And, and, and growing in your faith because of what we're doing, or you're a pastor who is going, who's about to, um, who's about to go before a board of ordained ministry and you're needing some extra stuff to help you kind of how to word this or resource or whatever it is to help you think through this, wherever you are on that journey, uh, a youth worker or a, a lawyer or a teacher or a stay-at-home mom or dad, whatever it is, where you're listening to us right now, uh, this is why we do, because we do believe that the connection between head and heart is so important for us having a I don't want to say proper view of God because a proper view of God is important, but having, I love how you put that. What was it like a high view mm-hmm. of God? Uh, I think too much. We go around thinking about God almost like a, Hey, he's my buddy and not having this and not having this, um, uh, almost, uh, I, there was a book written a while back in the early nineties called the joy of fearing God by mm-hmm. a guy named Jerry Bridges. How, how how hard, I mean, how many times do we come before God in awe and trembling because of who he is and what he has done for us and, and what he's doing in us? Um, yeah, Jim, you're right on. Absolutely. All right. So, man, what a, what an episode this has been. I'm this feeling. has been quite the 10th episode. Yeah, I tell you what, guys. There it is. 10 <laughs> are, is done. And um, how exciting. Hey, again, once again, uh, some he- this is some deep stuff here, uh, this, uh, this episode. If you would like to connect with us, tell us how we can be praying for you. You have questions about what we're saying, or you want more in-depth conversation with us, you can reach us at uh, questions at podakesis.com, questions at podakesis.com, and you can also find out how to connect with us at podakesis.com, our website. Uh, When we come back to you for question 11, we'll be talking about the question, what are God's works of providence? And you know what's interesting about that question? It it, it is not crossed out. Um, It is not revised. This is a legit question that Wesley left in. Usually, when we talk about providence, um, our Calvinist brothers and sisters will latch on to that. But Wesley was a believer in providence, and so we want to talk about that and how that works out. So what are God's works of providence? Um, Do any of y'all have any uh, last-minute remarks y'all want to make before we close this thing out and we start the music? Nope. It's always good to be with you guys. Uh, it's fantastic. I would love to hear from you all. Uh, you could be a part of this discussion, uh, not even just to ask questions, mm-hmm. but look, uh, as you see, we're learning along with each other some. And so help us with that. Or if you just had something that you wanted us to, to maybe nuance or think through, we, I, would, I would welcome that. Because uh, along with helping resourcing others, we're also seeking to sharpen our own um, love for the Lord. So bring it on, my friends. Be a part of it. Awesome, awesome. Well, Mr. Producer, go ahead and hit the music. And as the music is playing and we are closing out, be sure to hit us up on social media at Facebook, on Instagram, or on Twitter at Podakesis. You can leave comments, ask questions, connect with us. Tell your friends about us. We're on Apple. If you go on Apple, iTunes, leave a five-star review. That just helps us with them. But we're also on Stitcher and Google Play, Spotify. Hey, YouTube. Hey, we, we're, on a new, we're on a new platform. We're on a new platform. We're on Amazon Music. So with, you can go. If you've got Alexa, you can say whatever the magic word is for Alexa. Play the Podakesis podcast. And guess what Alexa will do? 
Play the Podagesis podcast. Yes, it's so exciting. So we've got that, but also check us out on our YouTube channel. And uh, we've got some uh, fun things that we are planning to celebrate 10 episodes in. We'll have more information out for you on social media, hopefully soon, about that and ways that you can connect with us. But until then, until then, and until next time, as we come together for episode 11, this has been the Podagesis podcast. And we're so glad that you were with us. Y'all have a great day.